Good evening, everybody. It's time to begin our service this evening. We'll have one song, and then Dave will have announcements. Two more songs, and then Evan McAllister will have our uh, devotional this evening. I don't, I don't like when we have people with multiple, multiple people with the same name. It makes things very difficult. So after Dave said, oh, Evan's got the Devo, I'm like, which one? <laughs> so, but our first song tonight is number 888, Thank You, Lord. If you would, let's stand for this song, please. Thank you, Lord, for loving me, and thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole and saving my soul. I want to thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Let us all with one accord sing praises to Christ the Lord. Let us Good evening, church family. A couple announcements before we have our devotional. Um, as a reminder to all deacons that next Sunday at 5 o'clock there will be a deacons meeting, so all deacons, please put that in your schedule. Um, also, next Tuesday's Young at Heart, uh, our destination will be Cheddar's in Ashland, Kentucky. We'd love to have you come to that, uh, opportunity to fellowship with one another. Um, we always have a small devotional beforehand. Um, but we meet here at the building at 1030, so we'd love to have you for Young at Heart uh, next Tuesday. Also, there's a sign-up sheet on the bulletin board for snacks for CYC. Uh, those snacks need to be in by next Wednesday. Um, we have 31 going to CYC this year, so it's a big group, um, so it should be a lot of fun. Um, so keep uh, all those that are planning on going to CYC in your prayers as well. Also, Life Group 2, that's Gary Leap's Life Group, will be meeting March 5th after evening services. Um, they are planning having a planning meeting um, during that time, and uh, please bring finger foods and drinks for that event. March 17th through the 18th men's retreat, so please put that in your calendar. Um, and we have, Chris has set up a, a big group of great speakers um, speak for those uh, days, so I do encourage all men to come to that. It should be a great event. Um, updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep the Edwards family in your prayers, the loss of Monty. Uh, keep that family in your prayers as they're grieving at this time. 
Um, continue to keep Jim Wilgus and Terry Leap and Jennifer Baker and Amber Spitzer in your prayers as they go through their cancer treatments and keep their family in, their prayers, in your prayers as well as they take care of them. Uh, Steve Rowe, has, uh, they've asked for prayers as well. Uh, his uh, glaucoma has spread to his good eye now, and um, he was supposed to have laser eye surgery done today. Um, I haven't heard how that turned out, but uh, keep him in your prayers at this time. Um, also, remember to continue to keep Jamie Estes in your prayers. Um, he's still at Vanderbilt Hospital at this time as well. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. Is there anything else I may have missed? All right, let's go to God in prayer at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful and blessed to be able to come here this evening, Lord. This Wednesday evening to learn more about your word, to be able to apply it to our everyday lives, Lord, that, that you give us the wisdom that we need to, to continue to, to share your word with others. That way we can continue being the light within our community, within our workplace, Lord, or wherever we are. Lord, I pray that you continue to be with our elders, continue to bless them, give them the wisdom they need, Lord. Lord, we ask you that we continue to be an encouragement to them, Lord, and we uh, always pray for them in, in their everyday lives. Lord, we ask you this time to, to be with our sick, be with Jim and Terry and Jennifer and Amber as they continue with their cancer treatments, Lord. Lord, we know that it's a difficult time for them and their families, Lord, but Lord, I pray that you give them the strength that they need to get through the, through the chemo treatments and uh, all the sickness that they go through during that time and give the family members strength to, to help them. Lord, we ask you to be with Steve, and I pray that a surgery went well this evening, Lord. Lord, and, and Lord, we ask you to continue to be with Jamie and help him get better as well, Lord. Lord, we are so thankful for our members here, Lord, and Lord, we pray for all our widows and our shut-ins, and Lord, let's always be an encouragement to them. Let's ne never forget them in our daily lives. Help us to help them, Lord. Lord, I ask you this time to continue to be with our youth, Lord. Lord, help, help them and guide them, Lord, through your word. Let them use your word for their everyday lives, Lord, that that we know that there's difficult times that they go through in their everyday lives, Lord, and and they need help. And I pray, Lord, that they, they come to you for that help. Lord, be with us the rest of this week. Watch over us and keep us safe, Lord. Thank you so much for you sending your son to die on the cross for us. Help us to, to build your kingdom, Lord, and continue to be with us and keep us safe. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Our next song is number 669, 669, This Is My Father's World. This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature's
Our next song is number 315. 315, I'll live in glory. After this, we'll have our lesson this evening. I'd like to stay here longer than man's a lot of days and watch the fleeting changes of life and even way. But if my Savior calls me to that sweet home on high, I'll live with him forever in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I'll live in glory by and by. I'll tell him sing the story. Our song of invitation this evening is number 356, Jesus is Tenderly Calling. I'm a little nervous, so uh, forgive me if I go too fast. The last words my great-grandfather said to me had inspired me to make this Devo tonight. A day before my great-grandfather had passed, he had spoke for the last time, and I was extremely lucky to have been there to speak with him. And here's the last thing he had said to me. The church only has one body, and there is only one church. And what he said was true. There can only be one true church. The principle of there being one true church sounds very simple to understand and seems like, a common, seems like common sense, but a quick Google search tells me that there's an estimated 45,000 different Christian denominations around the world. I'll start with two definitions that define what a denomination is. Oxford's Dictionary defines a denomination as a recognized autonomous branch of the Christian church branch meaning that they have separated and are different from the first century church. Cambridge Dictionary defines a denomination as 
a religious group that has slightly different beliefs from other groups that share the same religion. Well, how can they all be right if they're all different? Scripture tells us that we're not supposed to be different at all. Scripture tells us that as Christians, we're to be like-minded and unified in one body in Christ. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Peter here has proclaimed that we must have a unity of mind and be like-minded in Christ's teachings. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, tells us that we are to be unified in one body in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. But we can't be unified in one body in Christ if we are separated by our differences in belief and teaching. All churches should be unified together by the teachings of the Bible, but sadly, this is where the denominational world has fallen short. The denominational world has failed in two ways. Following and believing false doctrines that can't be found in the Bible, or misconstruing what the Bible had taught them. In either case, this is extremely dangerous, and I want to explain why. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 tell us this. So, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Since no one's been baptized in the Holy Spirit since the first century, no church is capable of changing God's words while still being right. Furthermore, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9 say this. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the verse states, there is no way of our own that can be better than what God has already given to us in the Bible. There's simply no way we can do something better than our own God. But what happens if we do believe differently than what the Bible had taught us? Well, Jesus tells us, and it's in other verses too, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, that when we fail to follow his word as we are instructed, our beliefs can become meaningless. Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as the doctrines the commandments of men. In vain is the worship of those who fall under false doctrines. It hurts me personally and spiritually to know how a vast majority of the world will follow a false doctrine blindly without even knowing how much danger they are in. So we've covered why the denominations are wrong, but what makes the Church of Christ any different from them? How can we be right when they fall short? Well, in order to be correct, as previously mentioned, we must follow God's word, the Bible, and we cannot add or detract to it. The best example we have of a correct church is the first century church. We must follow in the footsteps of the first century church. The Bible and the first century church have set the foundation of principles that our churches should rely on today. So what are some distinctive characteristics of the first century church that we must follow? 
And this isn't in any particular order, and neither is it a complete list. So first off, I have that we cannot have female teachers in the church. We learn this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, that God does not allow women to perform any leadership roles within the church. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet, for Adam was formed first and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33 can help us understand that this isn't a matter of inequality or disrespect, but rather a difference between the roles men and women play within the church. Next up, though, we're not supposed to have mechanical instruments when we worship. Ephesians 5.19 says this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. This tells us that our hearts are our instruments. What God wants is for us to sing our devotion to him and demean it within our hearts. Mechanical instruments just do not express the devotion that we have like our hearts and our voices do. Scripture tells us as well that we are supposed to have communion every Sunday. The Lord's table is not a one-and-done deal. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26 tells us this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So that tells us that we should partake of the Lord's table, but how often? And that's where Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 comes into play. It tells us that the disciples attended communion every Sunday. Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to part on the next day and prolonged his speech until midnight. So another characteristic of the first century church is that the church is to be structured with deacons and elders. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, tells us the requirements that deacons and elders face. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 13. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity keeping his children submissive. Submissive, For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil. The qualifications for deacons follow after. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one, life, one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good understanding for themselves, 
and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So in the times of the first Christian churches, the congregations were structured with elders and deacons. The formation of these churches were overseen by the apostles, whose jobs were to establish the first churches and spread God's word until the churches were large enough to grow on its own, at which point the role was no longer necessary. No other roles are mentioned and therefore are not necessary to the function of the church. After the death of the apostles, the role of centralized governing was no longer needed and each congregation could become autonomous. Lastly, the plan of salvation is controversial amongst the denominational world. Not all churches practice the plan of salvation under the same guidelines that scripture has set out for us. In order to be saved, one must follow the plan of salvation in this order as we are taught it this way through scripture. First, you must hear the word of God. Then you must believe and have faith in that word. Thirdly, you must repent for your sins, and then you must confess that Jesus is the Son of God, at which point you can be baptized for the remission of your sins. So firstly, one must hear the word of God before they can have faith in it. Romans 10, 17 says this. So Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So that hearer then must believe it is truth, and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John chapter 1, verse 12, says this. John 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Next, the hearing believer must now have repentance for their sins. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30 tells us what, that we must all repent to the Lord. So, Acts 17, verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked... But now he commands all people repent, all people everywhere to repent. So when we repent, we must feel sorrow and remorse for the sins that we have committed and have an emotional understanding of the damage we had done to ourselves when we sin. So once the hearing believer repents, they must confess the belief that Jesus is the Son of God openly. Romans chapter 10 Verses 9 and 10 tell us that we must confess our be that belief publicly, that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. These two verses strengthen the understanding that one must believe and repent with their hearts and confess publicly in order to be saved. And finally, when the hearing, believing repenter has confessed and, believe, and believes that Jesus is the Son of God, they can be baptized and wash away their sins, at which point they can start a new life in righteousness with God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 tells us that baptism is not for bathing, but rather is the last essential step to the plan of salvation after which we may be added to the book of life. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Acts 2, verse 37 and 38, Peter tells the Jews who feel guilty for Jesus' death 
that they must repent and be baptized in Jesus' name in order to be saved and, for, and their sins to be forgiven. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as my great-grandfather would say it, if anyone has need tonight, come forward and let your wishes be made known as together we stand and while we sing. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time thanking you, Lord, for another day of life. We thank you for the beautiful weather that you've blessed us with today, the opportunity to be here this evening to worship you, to sing praises to you. Father, we're so thankful for Evan and his uh, willingness to uh, get up in front and share a, a message from your word and just remind us, Father, that we need to, to let your word guide us in all that we do here and, and in our lives. And Father, we're mindful of so many that continue to struggle with various health issues. Those that were mentioned uh, this evening, continue to pray for each of them. Be with us as we uh, depart here and go to our Bible classes. Pray that you'll be with the teachers that have prepared. Um, be with us as listeners that we will uh, uh, study hard and, and continue to grow and, and, um, and just uh, want to learn more about your, um, who you are and your word, and we can take that out into the world and, and uh, impact those around us, Father. Father, we uh, fall short so many times. Forgive us when we do sin, and it's through Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. <laughs> 